If you have your Bible, we're turning just for a moment or two to Second uh, Peter, Second Peter in chapter one. And while you're turning there, I want to uh, say a word of thanks for the invitation to be here tonight. It's really great to see how the Lord has been blessing you, and lovely to see the new facilities here, and to know that the Lord's hand is upon us. And that's what we need in these days above everything else, is just the approval of God. And it's great to know that the Lord has been blessing and encouraging, and we really look forward to coming down here. I was just going to come down here one night just to have a night off, but Tim, he texts me, he says, I hear you're coming, you'll take the pulpit too. And so it's great, really great to be here. It's a privilege to stand on this platform tonight. And I say that before the Lord. Let us just bow, please, before the Lord again and ask for his help. You ask the Lord to speak to you tonight. If all we hear is the voice of a man, we're wasting our time. As we bow our hearts and come into the presence of God. Father, we just bow again before thee. Lord, our hearts are humble that we can come, Lord, into thy presence, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. O oh, God, we realize in a small measure that thou art he that understands our thoughts afar off. Lord, we pray tonight that you will come. We realize in these dark hours in which we live, we need God more than ever before. We have tried everything, Lord. We have tried all the inventions of men. And yet, Lord, we just cast ourselves wholeheartedly upon God tonight. We give thee that invitation, Lord, to come. We pray that you will move, Lord, in this meeting. We pray that you will speak. We pray that the blessed Holy Spirit, that he will come in his own tender and gentle and yet powerful way. We pray that you will brood, Lord. We pray that you will break every yoke. We pray, Lord, that you will break every chain. We pray that you will give every one of us ears to hear what the Spirit would have to say to us. Father, I just bow before thee again. Lord, I ask for that fresh touch from heaven. Pray, Lord, for that oil, Lord, oh God, that anointing oil, that your word would come forth with clarity, with power, and with weight. We ask it all in the Saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen. Second Peter chapter 1 and just the last two verses. And now just using this tonight as a bit of a springboard. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I'm sure that every one of us here tonight, saint and sinner alike, believe in this hour in which we live above everything else we need to hear from God. To hear a voice that is unlike any other voice. To be conscious of the one, the creator, the sustainer. To come into that place of vital reality with God. I wonder, is that where you are tonight? Living in that place where God to you is real. I was preaching this morning in our own assembly on God's PCR tests. Proving Christian reality. And I wonder this morning, or tonight even here in Balnehinch, I wonder how many of us would get a positive test. Whenever God really gets down and lifts the lid of our life and lays everything open before us, pastor, religion, and rhetoric, and all of the formality, and God just lays us bare before him. You know, that was the cry of David's heart. In Psalm 139, he just said, try me. And that word is the word to test me. He got to the place where he didn't want the opinions of men anymore. He got to the place where he said, Lord, I just want you to bear me open, Lord. I want you to take your divine scalpel, Lord, and cut me and show me what you see in my life. Lord, I'm on the throne now of all the gold and silver. I've heard all of the opinions of men, but David got to the place where he wanted to know what God knew. That's a good place to be. 
And we come tonight to this passage of the word of God just to start us off. It tells us that holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You know, dear friends, I tell you today that the greatest need in the church tonight is not lectures. It's not men coming just to pass an hour, but we need to hear from God. We need to be men and women that are movable by God, where God could put his hand upon us, where God, the omnipotent God, can lay his hand upon us, and as a vessel sanctified and meet for the master's use, he can take us to reach a dying world. I want to bring you to a man tonight that was moved by the Holy Ghost. Some things that he's going to say to you and I tonight, he's going to say it deep into the very recesses of our heart. He's dead long ago. He was born in a little home down in Nazareth. He was born in one of the, the most deprived sin capitals of Judea, down in Nazareth. His name is James. He's the brother, half-brother of the Lord Jesus. He saw the Lord Jesus grow as a young boy into manhood. He realized that he never did the things that he did. As James watched the Lord Jesus, he, he realized that he never did or said things that James himself said. He watched the holy, harmless, undefiled Son of God move in his midst. And the Bible says, yet his brethren did not believe. And you know, dear friends, in this meeting tonight, you could have heard the best of gospel preaching. You could have been moved many times under deep conviction. Times when God has bore heavy upon your soul. But just like James, you still don't believe. I'm sure as James watched the Lord Jesus step out into his public ministry, James maybe stood back. He says, who does this man think that he is? Who does this man that was born and brought up in my family is only a carpenter? Who is he to claim that he's the son of God? And James maybe watched the miracles with a little bit of skepticism in his heart. And then the day came whenever his brother or half-brother was on a cross. Maybe James said deep down in his heart he could say, I knew that was going to happen. I knew he went too far with the claims that he made. And now he's dying. You know, the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ met James. There was a day whenever James had an encounter, not with his half-brother. He had an encounter with the risen Lord. And he was never the same again. I tell you, dear friends, tonight what you need an encounter with is not a doctrine. It's not theology. It's a person. To have a living encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never be the same again. James... He no longer called this man Jesus. He called him Lord. You know, he was a very wise man, James. He was a man of prayer. The Bible history tells us that his knees were like the knees of a camel, fervent in the place of prayer. He knew what it was to cry. He knew what it was to wrestle with God away from the eyes and opinions of men. And there, James, this man that had watched the Lord, he laid hold upon God. He was vitally real. You know, whenever persecution came into the church, this man, James, he was moved. Whenever the people of God were being burnt by Nero, they were being dressed in lion skins and lamb skins and thrown into the arena and the lions were let loose and the people of God were being burnt, covered in pitch and sent up on bits of posts to light the streets of Rome. James, as he looked out over the people of God, you know what happened? He was moved by the Holy Ghost. And I want you to listen to some things that James said. James, he took his pen and he began to write. He said, James... The servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one that he watched for years. He says, I'm now his servant. James, a servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unto the twelve tribes scattered abroad, he said, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. Knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Is that where you are tonight? Down in the storm? 
And you've been here and you've been singing the songs of Zion, but down in your heart tonight, the joy's gone. You're in the midst of the trial. You're in the midst of the affliction. And James said this. He said, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, different trials, knowing that the trying of your faith, it worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Do you need wisdom tonight? Do you need wisdom in the family? Do you need wisdom at work? Do you need wisdom with your husband? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven of the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. One moment believing God, the next minute we're doubting him. But let him not ask and let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. For he that doubteth is like a wave driven of the the wind, tossed to and fro. For a double-minded man is unstable in all, all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. But the rich in that he is made low. I wonder is there a rich man here tonight? And you've got plenty of money. And you've got plenty of the world's goods. But down in your soul you know that you're not right with God. But let the rich man. Let him realize that he's going to be brought low. Brought down before God. I was thinking during the week of the rich man. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, he was clothed with the finest of linen. He fared sumptuously every day, but it says that the rich man died and was buried. And the Lord Jesus put the most solemn epitaph over a man's life that day. And he says he was buried and in hell. He lifted up his eyes, being in torment. You know, dear friends, as as we've been singing tonight, and as we've been sitting in this lovely hall, in the heat, in the lovely seats, that man tonight, he's still there. Crying and groaning. He was asking for mercy, but he had no interest in mercy when he was alive. He wanted money. He was interested in gold and not God, but now, even at this very moment, he's there. Mercy. Have mercy on me. But let the rich man, but let the rich man, oh, friends, but let the rich and that he is made low because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass. And the flower thereof it falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Oh, I tell you, dear friends, the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Blessed, blessed is the man that endures the temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised. To them that love him. You know the hymn? Let me sing a verse of it to you. Be still my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief. Or pain, leave to thy God to order and provide in every change he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, the waves 
and wind still know the voice of him who ruled them while below. You in the storm tonight? You're almost about to go down. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And then James, he turns from the trials and the testings of the circumstances, and he turns to sin. He says, but let a man, but let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. For every man is tempted and drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved breath. Do not err, my beloved brother, in every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness. Oh, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will beget he us through the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Do you have a problem with anger? Whenever your wife does something wrong, do you just fly off the handle? Whenever something happens at work, there's that anger that boils down in your soul. My brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness. Young man in the meeting tonight, you know all that pornography? This man, James, is almost dead 2,000 years. And you know what he's going to say to you tonight? Wherefore lay apart all filthiness. And superfluity of naughtiness. And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Maybe you're in the meeting tonight and you're not saved. I want to tell you, dear friends, you'll not get saved reading the Book of Mormon. You'll not get saved reading a magazine or a journal or even a biography, but you'll get saved whenever you read and digest the word of God. But then James goes on, he says this. And this is to some man in Ballon Hinch tonight, and you've been saved for years, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only. Remember all those mighty messages that you heard in prayer? Remember all the messages that our brother has preached on going through with God in the surrendered life? But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. I want to tell you, dear friends, tonight, the greatest problem in the church is self-deception. Oh, Satan can deceive. He can. He deceived Eve. Others can deceive. Paul said, let no man deceive you. But he also said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. But be doers of the word. What's God telling you to do? What's God been laying on your heart? What's been God saying to you whenever you get alone with him? But be doers, doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man that beholdeth his face in the glass. He looks into a mirror, and he beholdeth himself, and he goes his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful here, but a doer. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Do you want the blessing of God, sir? Do you want God to become vitally real? Do you want to know something of the power and presence of God in your life, where he's not just a phantom, where he's not just an idea or an ideology, but where God becomes real? Be doers of the word, and not hearers only. 
And James, he went on and he says, if any among you seem to be relig religious. I wonder if there are people here tonight and you're highly esteemed in the assembly here in Balnehinch and people look at you and say, that's a man of God or that's a woman of God. Do you hear her pray? Why, she knows the word. If any among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. If any among you seem to be religious, bridleth not his tongue, what do you use your tongue for? What did you say during the week? Remember whenever those negative things came out about your pastor? If any man among you seem to be religious, bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. You know what that word vain is? James says it's worth absolutely nothing. For pure religion, and undefiled before God and the Father is this, is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and keep himself unspotted from the world. I want to ask you, dear friends, tonight a little question. Are you clean? It's says, all right, you bring in a preacher here tonight and you say, Stephen, you bore down on the sinner tonight. But I want to ask you, saints, are you clean? For pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. You see, I not only believe in salvation that's free, and I not only believe in a salvation that's for all, I not only believe in a salvation that's forever, I'm glad tonight that the Bible tells it, but salvation is to the full. You see, the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary, it not only deals with the fruit of sin, it can deal with the very root of sin. That's why alcoholics can come and the Lord can set them free, just like that. That's whenever an alcoholic or a drug addict or a homosexual can come, chains can be broke, just like that. Let me ask you, dear friends, tonight. Do you believe that he can break the chains of anger? Oh, oh, oh different, isn't it? Oh, now, do you think he can break the chains of envy? Jealousy? Do you think that God can come with cleansing power and give you a clean heart? That was the cry of David whenever David, he penned Psalm 51 and he had already received forgiveness whenever Nathan came in and he said, David, you committed sin, but God has forgiven you and David got alone and he penned Psalm 51. He said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. I tell you, dear friends tonight, if you haven't got a clean heart, God will not be ready. Clean. Full salvation. Full salvation, see the cleansing current flow, washing stains of condemnation whiter than the whitest snow. Full. Then James, he went on. I wonder, is he talking to you now? This man, he's been dead for many years. He said some things to you already. And then he goes on and he says, my brother... Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with respect to persons? For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring, and there come also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect unto him that wears the gay clothing or the good clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou there in a good place, and say to the poor man, Sit, sit thou over there, sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial and become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him. But, but Balnehinch, ye have despised the poor. Ye have despised the poor. If you will fulfill the royal law according to scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if you have respect to persons you commit sin or are convinced of the law as transgressors, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery. Sir, don't commit adultery. Don't do it, sir. Don't look upon another woman with lust in your heart. Don't do it. Don't look at that thing on the internet. Don't do it. 
For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye and so do, as they it shall be judged by the perfect law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. And then James, this man that watched the Lord Jesus, he, he said, what does it profit, my brother? What does it profit, my brother? Though a man say he is faith and hath not works, can faith save him? A man may say, I'm saved, but there's no fruit in his life. James says, as he saved. No evidence of salvation, no change, no radical change in his life. Just doing the same things that he used to do. James says, what does it profit, my brother? No, a man say he has faith and have not works. Will that kind of faith save him? If a brother or sister be destitute and daily, uh, destitute and naked and uh, destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warm, be filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? What is the problem? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God. The devils also believe, and they tremble. But wilt thou know, vain man, that faith without works is dead? Lord Jesus said that ye shall know them by their fruits. Do you know, dear friends, in this meeting tonight, there could be those and all you're holding on to is a false profession. All you're holding on to is a verse of Scripture. All you're holding on to is a feeling or putting up your hand or signing a card. I want to tell you, dear friends, if your faith, your saving faith, hasn't changed your life, and God is not vitally real to you, the Word of God says without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Young person in the meeting, your parents have prayed for you and cried for you. And you've sat in the meetings and you knew that God would spoke to you. But I want to tell you, you could go from a lovely hall in Balnahinch and you could die and go to a lost sinner's hell. You know, whenever I was doing the doors back in September, and it was the first door that I went to and there was no one there, and I walked out through a gate, out onto the main port of the road, and a 40-foot lorry hit me. Bounced me up in there and took his wing more off and then he shot me over the hedge. You know, whenever I lay in the road, you know there's one thing come into my heart. I said, God, I'm glad that I'm saved. Glad that I'm saved. I tell you, dear friends, your faith, if it hasn't worked, you see if a 40-foot lorry comes and you die and you go down into a lost eternity. What a tragedy. Some of you young people here tonight, You've made professions, but God's not real. God's not real to you, and you know it. Oh, you know the verses and the cliches. But I want to tell you the word of God says, make your calling and election sure. Sure, be sure. Be sure. Young woman, be sure. Your sin will find you. And then he goes on, chapter 3. He says, my brethren, be not many masters. Not many preachers. Knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. And able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Behold, the ships of the sea, they will be so great and are driven of the fierce winds. Yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, boasteth great things. Behold how great a fire, behold how great a matter, a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and set on fire the course of nature, and set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. I wonder again, what have you been using your tongue for? Oh, I tell you, dear friends, tonight, as Christians, it's time that we came out from under the trees like Adam and we were honest with God. Just said, Lord, I'm a gossip. 
Lord, you're not real to me. I'm not seeing the blessing of God in my home because, Lord, I'm a slander. I'm a liar. The tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. You ever hear somebody in a prayer meeting? Lord, I'm glad that I'm saved. Lord, I bless you for who you are and what you've done. Therewith bless we our Father. God our Father, and there was curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries out of the fig vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. And if you're in this meeting tonight and you're a gossip, and God has put his finger upon your soul tonight, you would maybe have to say like Isaiah of old who prophesied five chapters of the Bible, thought he was going on well, but whenever he got a revelation of the holiness of God, Whenever he's seen the majesty and glory and beauty, you know what he said? He says, Lord, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. Let me tell you, sir, your lips will be unclean if you're telling dirty jokes. Let me tell you, sir, no matter how many verses of the Bible you know, no matter how much theology you know, unless you have clean lips and a pure heart, you'll not know God. For the pure in heart are the ones that shall see him. Well, I'm not saying that you can be sinless. But I'm telling you, dear friends, that you'll sin less whenever you get saved. You'll sin less. He breaks the power of counsel sin. He sets the prisoner free. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation, out of a good lifestyle, his works with wisdom and meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. For this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual. The word is demonic. I tell you, dear friends, it's time that we got our eyes off the world. It's time that we got our eyes off all the problems. And as Peter said in his epistle, judgment must begin at the house of God. Where we lay ourselves bare before him. We become honest before God and say, Lord, what do you see? But if you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, Glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above. It is earthly, sensual, devilish. For envy and strife is, there is contention in every evil work. Are you an envious person? Are you full of envy? Full of bitterness? Another brother could come through the door, you, you'd, you'd maybe shoot out that door. Down on your heart, friends, away from the amens and the hallelujahs, and thank God for them all. But I want to tell you, dear friends, whenever you get down, whenever I got into the hospital that day in September, you know the first thing they did? They put an injection into my body, die, and shot me into a CT scan. And I want to tell you, God has a CT scan. It'll take from the very crown of your head to the sole of your foot. And whenever he put the children of Israel through it, you know what he said? From the crown of the head to the sole of the foot, their wounds, their bruises, their putrefying sores. How would you fare up tonight if God put you through his CT scan? But if you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, it's full of mercy and good fruits. Without partiality and without hypocrisy, 
The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. You know that word hypocrisy used to come from the old Greek theatres. Whenever they were playing, the, the man used to come out and he used to have a mask on his face and then he would go behind the curtain and he would come out with another mask on and the people would know that it's the same person but he's acting a different man and they used to cry out, Hypocrito! I tell you, dear friends, tonight, are you what you pretend to be? You see, God's CT scan is only, it's only a pre-scan. Because the day whenever you die and the Lord comes back in the great bema seat for believers, and it says every man's work shall be tried, the word is tested, but as by fire. There's no jury that day. There's no defense. There's no barrister. Pastor Tim will not be there to plead your cause. And you'll stand before the one who died on the cross and shed his blood, the one that was crowned with thorns. And you say, Lord, I live my life as a, as a hypocrite. All I shall. In the German city of Dusseldorf, there was a, a picture that was hanging on the wall, and there's a young man of 16 years of age. He went in and he saw the picture of the Lord Jesus crowned with thorns. Standing before Pilate and underneath the picture it says, I gave myself for thee. What hast thou done for me? And that young boy, 16 years of age, he went home and he got a piece of paper and he signed his name, Count Sindensorf, 16 years of age, and he says, I hereby sign my life over to God. And Count Sindensorf was the young man that brought about the revival in the Moravians. God took him and used him. You know why? Because he got real with God. Some of you young men along the back tonight, you've played the fool long enough. You see, whenever Saul, he lost the anointing, he lost the presence of God, he lost the kingdom, he lost his joy. Later on, he lost his life. You know what he said before he died? I have played the fool. I tell you, dear friends, in that day, many of us will stand before the risen, exalted Savior of the world and will say, I have played the fool. Pastor Tim didn't know. The elders of the deacons didn't know. But he knew. It's all been unraveled out before him. You say to me, Stephen, that's a bit radical. This is James talking to you tonight. This is the one who lived with the Lord. I just hold on. This is the one that actually lived in the house at Nazareth. This is the one that's seen the risen, exalted Savior of the world. He said, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. And then he went on in chapter 4, and this is what he said very quickly. He said, from whence cometh wars and fightings among you? I wonder, dear friends, tonight in this assembly, I wonder, is there contention here? Oh, way down the grassroots down past everyone else, whenever you sit at the dinner table with your husband or your wife, you say things about other believers that no one else knows that you say. From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Come they not thence, even of your lust, that war in your members? Ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and ye war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. Remember whenever you came into the prayer meeting and you prayed for that thing? And you said, Lord, give it to me, Lord. Give me the desire of my heart. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is amnity with God. You know, there's three types of adultery in your Bible. There's the adultery whenever a man lies with another woman who's not his, not, not his wife. I wonder, is that what you do? There's physical adultery where another woman will maybe run away from her husband and she'll lie with another man. And down in her heart burns lust and envy. That's adultery. But then the Bible also talks about mental adultery. 
Whenever a man looks upon a woman to lust after in his heart, he has committed adultery with her already. Sir, whenever you watched that woman walking down the street the other day, and whenever your wife wasn't there and you indulged yourself and thoughts went through your mind, let me tell you this, the Lord Jesus Christ said, he said, whosoever hath committed adultery already with her in his heart, whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust. Young woman, whenever you were looking out over that young man or wherever he was and you burned with envy and lust, you've committed adultery already in your heart. There's not only physical adultery, and there's not only mental adultery. You know what James was talking about? Spiritual adultery. Where the Lord Jesus on a Sunday is everything. He is my everything. Oh, he is my all. But on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, he's forgotten. Whenever the Lord Jesus on a Sunday, he, my, we give him everything. But on a Monday, right through to Saturday, he's put on the back burner. Where we put all of our energy and activity into making money. Where we put all of our energy and our, our strength into gaining into the farm and into the family. My, we put them things before God. You know what the Lord, you know what James says? He says, you're an adulterer. That's strong language, isn't it? Strong talk. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Young man, let me tell you this. If the world means more to you than the Lord tonight, listen to James. He says, you're an enemy of God. That's strong talk. Strong stuff. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy? You know what that means? It means that James said, God is jealous. I tell you tonight, dear friends, thank God for a God of love. Thank God he's a God of mercy. And a God of righteousness and holiness. But I'll tell you this. He's a God that's jealous. I'll tell you, Mother, whenever you go after the world more than him, God becomes jealous. So many of us, we treat God the way we wouldn't even treat our family. So many of us, we wouldn't treat our husbands or our wives the way we treat God. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain that the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Do you remember that time whenever God was real? Do you remember that time whenever you used to read the Word and God used to come so near? Do you remember the time when you got the Word of God and you used to pray and the tears come out of your eyes and you had a burden for the lost and you had a vision and a passion for a dying world and it's all gone? Draw nigh unto God and He will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning. Your joy into heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Grudge not one against another, brother. Speak not evil one against another, brethren. Don't gossip. Don't slander. Whosoever speaketh evil of his brother or judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou be a judge of the law, thou art not a doer. For there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou? Who art thou that judgest another? Remember that time that you give off and said, you see what she did? See what he did? Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city, continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on tomorrow. Dear friend, let me tell you this, you could be dead before the night's out. You could be dead before 12 o'clock tonight. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor. It appears for a little time and then it vanisheth away. Gone. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings and all such rejoicing is evil. 
Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I'll tell you, dear friends, tonight, God is angry. God is angry. God is grieved. God is that. God, I tell you tonight, on the throne of glory, he's grieved at the state of the church. This is the very first book that was penned in the New Testament. And I tell you, dear friends, how small we all feel as we listen to this man, James. And as he comes to a close over in chapter 5 and verse 7, he says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman of the farmer, he waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and his long patience for it. Until he receive the earl in the latter rain, be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. You know, dear sinner, in the meeting tonight, I could tell you this. The Lord could come before the end of the very night. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not once against another brother unless ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door. He's listening to every word that you say. Listen. Take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. Behold, we count them happy which endured. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and nay nay. I'll tell you, dear friends, if you're in the Masonic, listen to what the Bible says. Swear not by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and nay nay. If you're in the orange order, if you're in the purple, if you're in the black, or if you're in the royal arch, I want to tell you, dear friends, swear not, neither by any oath, let your yea be yea and nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. That's what James said. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Did you find the lump during the week? The pain in the chest come in the middle of the night? That ailment that you had years ago has come back and the Bible says, Is any, any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. Let me ask you a question as I come to a close. What's your fault? What's the biggest problem in your life? Pride, jealousy, anger, drink, drugs. What is it? Confess your faults one to another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed. He prayed that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months, and he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him that know, let him that converteth him, let him know that he can converteth a sinner from the air of his way, shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. James, the half-brother of our Lord, he put down his pen. With tears coming out of his eyes, he said, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Do you need to draw near to God? Do you want God to become vitally real? Do you want to be conscious that there's another power in your life up beyond human power? Are you tired of the visionless, passionless, burdenless, loveless, careless, tearless life? Are you tired of going through a circle of confession, sin, confession, round and round and round? Do you want to get real with God? Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye devil mind. That picture that I talked to you about in Dusseldorf, there was another young woman came a number of years later. And as she stood and she looked at that painting and the Lord Jesus and the words underneath it, I gave my life for thee. What hast thou done for me? And that young girl went home. Her name was Frances Ridley Havigail. She got down on her knees and she penned these lovely words, Take my life and let it be. 
Consecrate it, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thy throne, it shall forever be thine own. She gave her life lock, stock, and barrel over to God. And I tell you, dear friends, whenever a man or woman gets there, God becomes real. Real. I was saved for a year. 2011. A year later, New Year's Eve, I got out of my bed. Tears coming out of my eyes. I got down and just said, Lord, I said, Lord, if all Christianity is, is going to church. Lord, if all Christianity is, is going to meetings and not drinking and not smoking, I don't want it anymore. And I said, Lord, if that's all it is, I'm going to go back to drugs in the morning. I got my phone out of my pocket and went through all the call lists. And I said, Lord, I could get drugs off him and him and him. And I said, Lord, unless this becomes real to me, I'm going to go back. And I want to tell you, dear friends, that night I came and I laid my life on the altar before him with all of my sin and all of my shame and all of my weakness. And I want to tell you, God became real to me that night. And he could do the very same for you tonight. It was William Booth, that man that went into 30 countries in 90 years with a banner. It said, Blood and Fire. And he penned a lovely hymn. He said, O thou Christ, the burning, cleansing flame, send the fire. Look down and see this waiting host and send us the promised Holy Ghost. We need another Pentecost. Send the fire. Oh, I tell you, dear friends, whenever you get on the altar and you say, Lord, burn me up. Burn all of my ambitions and all of my failures and all of my desires. And the fire of God burns in your soul. You'll never, never, never be the same again. Now let me want to ask you one question. I'm going to close and I'm going to ask Tim to come and take the rest of the meeting. Is that reality to you? Is that, is that, is that your experience? Vital reality with God? Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you, Tim.